So I'm a big fan of transparency across all aspects of life. Like generally speaking, there's pretty much nothing I wouldn't rather be told straight up. But specifically when I'm buying something or paying for a service, I just want to know what I'm getting myself into. And oftentimes there can be so much nonsense or so much yada yada. For example, sneaky terms hidden in the fine print of contracts or bills that randomly go up without properly alerting you or budget airlines with cheap fares, but then exorbitant fees to make up for it elsewhere. And we just should not need to be dealing with this type of yada yada in our lives. And yes, you could read every single word of every single contract and that's one way of avoiding it. Or you can go with a trusted brand like Metro by T-Mobile that helps you to get ahead and not pull you back. That's right. You don't take yada yada from life. So don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and not a yada yada, which honestly gives so much peace of mind. Like you shouldn't have to compromise for an okay option with sacrifices when you really deserve that full transparency. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Julie. And welcome back, not even to another episode, to the episode of all episodes. Holy fuck, Julie. Em, I don't even know how I'm supposed to do like a normal intro right now. (laughs) Wait, very important context that we need to tell you guys that we watched right before we started recording this is I'm sure you saw that Ripley's Believe It or Not had posted a small clip to their Instagram of when Kim came 10 days before the Met Gala to do a fitting in the dress. But a minute ago, we just saw that they posted another video, which this is why I'm so glad we waited till this morning to record. There's one that's a two minute and 41 second video of her and Pete in the fitting where he is literally assisting Chris Appleton and holding onto Kim while they're putting this dress over her. And then a second one where Ripley's Believe It or Not as a gift gifts Kim a small jar of Marilyn Monroe's hair. And she's obviously overcome with gratitude. And she says, I'm going to sleep with this every night. And then she turns to Pete and says, sorry, babe. It's just like, it's mandatory viewing and I'm going to put the link in the description because you need to watch it to understand how we're feeling because we have never gotten this type of behind the scenes, intimate understanding of the way that they operate. In addition to the fact that we're still recovering from last night. That's what it is. It's like all of a sudden we got insight into their everyday relationship, the way they interact with each other, the way they talk to each other. And I don't just mean this video. I mean, last night as a whole too, like we have been craving that and wanting that so badly. So on top of how epic everything about last night was with this little video from this morning and the little interactions of them on the red carpet, we're starting to be able to piece the pieces together. The pieces are piecing. Yeah. I mean, by the way, the way that I felt after seeing this, (laughs) what? (laughs) The pieces are piecing that. (laughs) That's how I feel. It's like, we just were starting to catch our breath from last night and then boom, it's another hit. I mean, And this is, by the way, just one small piece of the giant Met Gala, which there's so much to discuss in general. I just feel like this is overdrive. I mean, I am running on pure adrenaline right now. That's how I feel. Like, I know historically I've had a hard time putting into words my feelings, but this takes the cake. I couldn't even possibly describe to you every single thought I have in my head and everything I'm feeling because I feel so overwhelmed by all of it. But I wouldn't want to be any other way, don't get me wrong. I think the best way for us to do this is obviously we want to talk about the Met Gala as a whole, but let's just do what we're really all here for and start out with Kim and Pete and then kind of backtrack. Is that Does that plan that we had decided ahead of time still work for you? Of course it does. Can I just say before we even start, like one of the things that I am so happy about in terms of the way we're going to be discussing this is obviously we have so much to say about the Met Gala as a whole and I cannot wait to talk about it. 
But Kim was it last night. Like, not just from our perspective. Like, that was Kim's night. So to talk about the Kim of it all first only makes sense. So just to recap, the dress that Kim wore is the dress that Marilyn Monroe wore in 1962 when she sang happy birthday to President JFK. And at the time, Marilyn apparently paid around $1,400 for this dress. It was then first sold at auction in 1999 for over a million dollars. This was part of her estate sale with Christie's. It then sold for $4.8 million at an auction in 2016 and was later acquired by Ripley's Believe It or Not. So to this day, it still holds the record for being the most expensive dress sold at auction. And this dress has been preserved at optimal conditions by Ripley. So forget about this being the first time that anyone's ever worn it out. It's really the first time anyone's ever tried it on. So keep in mind, the reason that the public had an idea about this is 10 or so days ago, Kim was seen in those photos with Pete. I know you guys know exactly what I'm talking about, where she's wearing the light wash jeans with the white tank top tied and a slick back bun, no makeup, which we now know, obviously, she was wearing no makeup because she could not have any makeup on when she was trying this on for the first time ever. She did not wear body makeup on the red carpet, but that's a separate thing. And so people saw those paparazzi photos of her leaving. And so everyone was speculating on her wearing it because of that. And then also at the Kardashians premiere, when asked about her Met Gala look, she said, it's really going to come down to the wire to see if I fit into the dress because it cannot be altered. So those two things were really the biggest clue. So it's not like we were going in fully in the dark. We kind of knew, but we did not know what was about to happen. And I think to set the scene, let me just read you two and a half paragraphs from the Vogue article titled, Kim Kardashian Takes Marilyn Monroe's Happy Birthday, Mr. President Dress Out for a Spin by Kiyoma Nadi. Quote, the idea really came to me after the gala in September last year. I thought to myself, what would I have done for the American theme if I hadn't been the Valenciaga look? What's the most American thing you can think of? And that's Marilyn Monroe. For me, the most Marilyn Monroe moment is when she sang Happy Birthday to JFK. It was that look. Nowadays, everyone wears sheer dresses, but back then that was not the case. In a sense, it's the original naked dress. That's why it was so shocking. The truth is, Kardashian only actually wore the original dress for a matter of minutes. Given the fragile nature and historical value of the dress, she wasn't about to take any chances. In fact, her whole process of getting dressed reads like a highly sophisticated military operation. First, she left her hotel in a dressing gown with barricades set up outside to obscure the view of any waiting paparazzi. She then arrived at a small fitting room by the Met Gala steps that was especially organized for the occasion. There, a conservationist from Ripley's was on hand to assist her in white gloves. Quote, I'm extremely respectful of the dress and what it means to American history. I would never want to sit in it or eat in it or have any risk or damage to it. And I won't be wearing the kind of body makeup I usually do, says Kardashian, who changed into a replica of the dress, also owned by Ripley's, once she successfully climbed the stairs. Everything had to be specifically timed and I had to practice walking up the stairs. So let's just let that just sit for a moment for context. How are you feeling? I have so many different points that I want to hit on. I, I'm back to that feeling of being just simply overwhelmed. The first thing that I just have to say is like, I feel like I'm so happy almost that it was leaked ahead of time or theorized ahead of time that this is what she was going to wear because I wouldn't trade that moment of knowing like, oh my God, she did it for the world. So many thoughts. I mean, I guess the two top level thoughts are, 
Honestly, one of the reasons that I'm so happy we had this backstory where we had this built-up anticipation is that I can't say with full honesty that if I had no idea that this was happening and she showed up in that dress, if I immediately would have known. Of course, the internet would have pieced it together. I eventually would have figured it out, but it wouldn't have been like she walked on that red carpet and I said, holy shit, that's Marilyn Monroe's dress. So to have that anticipation, it only contributed to the magnitude of the moment. Yes, absolutely. Second of all, let's acknowledge one of the more important elements here, which is that Kim repeatedly said that in order to fit into the dress, she had to lose 16 pounds in three weeks. Basically, what happened was she went to Ripley's to try it on. It didn't fit. And she said to them, give me three weeks, which let me make one point abundantly clear before any further discussion follows, which is I recognize that is completely abnormal and wildly unhealthy and not anything anybody should aspire to. Like point blank, full stop, that's it. Let's make that point so, so, so clear. The way that I feel about it, and by the way, whatever anyone feels about this, you are entitled. Personally, the way that I feel is that, and this is kind of what she said, she viewed it as if it was a role, very similar to an actor or an actress, either gaining or losing weight, gaining muscle, losing muscle for a role that they are playing. For her, this was a role. And it wasn't about losing the weight to alter her body because she wanted to be thinner. It was literally to be able to fit into this gown since the gown could not be altered. I think that where the issue arises when explaining it, there was maybe a potential responsibility to say like, here's what I did and this is very unhealthy and not something anybody should aspire to. I think that saying it without warning is dangerous because it it almost gives off... um, the idea of like, this is possible. You too can achieve this. I'm not saying that's what she was trying to do at all, but I think that uh, a slight caveat could have been given if she was going to explain what she did. I think that that was important, but I guess to me, I did view it all under the context of a role. And I just think the way it was said could be perceived as dangerous. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the issues that a lot of people had when viewing the way Kim spoke about it is that it seemed as though she was glorifying what she did in terms of being able to fit into this dress. And I think something about Kim that we know is like her commitment to things is just unmatched. But I do think that while she was trying to explain how proud of herself she was for being able to pull this off, it glorified the dieting aspect of it in a way that came across as very unhealthy. And it could have been explained a little bit more responsibly, but I also feel like The reason that it wasn't is because I think for her, she feels like she made it clear that it wasn't about that. It was just purely about fitting into that dress. Right, for what she would consider to be, quote, a role. So the weather is finally getting a little warmer. And one of the most fun parts about the seasons changing is kind of the wardrobe revamp that comes along with that. And if you're looking to update your wardrobe without spending a fortune, I want to introduce you to Quince because I really think that they do quality essentials kind of better than anyone I found. And I've told you guys about them before, but specifically as the weather is getting warmer, their linen dresses, like such an easy throw on, so comfortable, such good quality. To me, if you put on a linen dress with a pair of white sneakers, a little cardigan over your shoulders, to me, that is such a chic look. Also, they're washable silk blouses. They are so comfortable, but you look so put together. They have great like scoop neck t-shirts, just comfortable, easy staples. Like that is what I like about them. I think that you can really build just a quality wardrobe collection with their essentials. And the best part is that all Quinn's items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
So by partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and then passes those savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash CBC for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's quince.com slash CBC to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash CBC. Okay, so I want to talk cookware for a second because I haven't told you guys about this company and I recently tried their products and I fully understand the hype now. So they're called Great Jones and they make really high quality, thoughtfully designed cookware that also happens to be beautiful. Like I know it's kind of a weird way to describe cookware, but you'll see what I mean when you go on the website. In terms of colors, they have your classic black and white, but they also have pinks, greens, yellows, blues, just like really vibrant, fun colors. And everything is non-toxic. So they have, you know, Dutch oven, ceramic dishes, non-stick sheet pans. Everything is non-toxic to me. That's huge. And we all know, like I'm not the biggest cook, but I have my staples. And I got originally from them, the Fry family, which is the eight and 10 inch ceramic nonstick pans. And they're just great. I got them in the white because that matches the best with my kitchen. I love cooking on them. And I also, I know, again, it sounds kind of weird, but I love the way they look in my kitchen. And the thing is, once you get these, you're going to want to get them for your friends. So they make incredible gifts for weddings, housewarming parties, birthdays, whatever occasion you need. It's a great gift. Upgrade your kitchen and replace those old rusted hand-me-downs with bold, beautiful, long-lasting pieces from Great Jones. Get started today at greatjones.com and get an extra 15% off your first order with promo code CBC. That's greatjones.com, promo code CBC. I have to tell you that when she walked out, well, first of all, the, the way that it happened was Vogue released the article before she even walked out. So you saw what she was wearing before she even was seen on the live stream. And so you have the moment of, holy shit, she's wearing the dress. And then you see, holy shit, her hair was bleached, which we didn't even really talk about separately. People have so many mixed feelings on this because there's a theory that she was initially supposed to wear her hair in more of a typical Marilyn style, but because of the damage from the bleach, she ended up doing it in a slick back bun. I personally don't think that that's the case because I think doing her hair like Marilyn would have made it almost more of a costume than like a moment. So I think that that was intentional, but I think an argument could be made either way for whether or not she needed to bleach her hair or not. I thought it looked wonderful, but I don't think it would have necessarily taken so much away if she decided not to. No, but I think it added to it. Like, I think it added to the wow factor and the shock factor by having her hair be something different. I totally agree with that point because I think that that's a really important distinction in terms of she wasn't trying to be Marilyn. She wasn't trying to be Marilyn in a costume. This was all about the way in which you can draw the parallels. Kim was not trying to be Marilyn. She was trying to channel Marilyn and explain that correlation. And if you remember back in 2013, Kanye actually was in a breakfast club interview and made a comment about how Kim is the Marilyn Monroe of our time. And he got destroyed for it. He made that call early on and he got destroyed for it. And I'm not saying that every single person who knew about this dress or watched Kim on the red carpet last night immediately clicked and got it. But I would say the overwhelming majority that I've seen all had this collective realization of like, yeah. 
Yeah. And by the way, there's a large portion of people that are like, absolutely not. She cheapens it, you know, that will never get on board. And that's okay. That's no need to devote energy to trying to convince people. I very much understand, though, the similarities. Being such a, a, a sex symbol, being such a controversial figure, being, first of all, so well known. I mean, if nothing else, Kim is one of the most well known people in the entire world. And we were talking about this, I forget in what context, but that her silhouette is so known. You know, and it really hit last year with the Balenciaga look, which I know wasn't one of our favorites, but just to say she is so famous that even just her silhouette speaks volumes without even her face being shown. And I draw so many similarities there. The thing that makes me laugh about the people that are so anti-Kim wearing this dress or so anti the comparison between Kim and Marilyn Monroe is I want to say to them, like, if you don't like Kim in 2022, there is no way you would have been somebody who liked Marilyn Monroe in 1962. You just wouldn't have. It's the comparison is so starkly there. And I'm not saying they're the same. I'm not saying Kim is Marilyn Monroe, but I'm saying that when you take two people and you can draw comparisons to the controversy and the emphasis on being a sex symbol and then the snowballing and becoming of an icon, there's no two people who represent that better. I think the other thing for me that makes me more enthusiastic about celebrating this moment is I really feel like Kim gets it. She understands how big of a deal this is. She understands the historical significance here and she knows what an absolute honor it is to even be considered to wear something like this. And so I think it really hit me when I was watching that Ripley's behind the scenes because you can just see she's almost at a loss for words. And I feel like now it's every week that we're talking about this concept of how there are a few things that the Kardashians aren't jaded to. Let me tell you something, going into the archive and wearing the $5 million dress that Marilyn Monroe wore to sing happy birthday to President JFK, that's something they will never fucking be jaded to. you know. And so it just, I guess for me, it's like, I'm also so excited because I know how grateful Kim is. I don't think she takes any of this for granted. I think she is so present in her body of like, holy shit, how is this happening? You know, I I did this. This is my life. This is the shit she dreamed of. And when you go back to her first ever Met Gala, when she's in that floral Givenchy, pregnant with Kanye, ripped to shreds, cried the whole way home, you know, worst night of her life. And now as the years have gone on with or without Kanye, she is the moment. It feels really good to be an OG Kim Kardashian and fan and watch this. And that's why like, if you hate it, hate it. It's okay. That's, that's your thing. I, it just feels so much more fun to celebrate it. I don't know. To me, I just can't grasp the concept. So I have a really hard time because I feel like people let their anger lead rather than just leaning into what is so clearly happening to see Kim in that dress, to be the only other person to ever have it on her body. To me, I was like, this is history being made. This is history being made again. I, and I'm not saying it's as a, a classic and iconic as it was when it was worn the first time. It's all like, all of this is a culmination and result of it being worn the first time. I don't know if that makes sense, but it's like, I think we often talk about history repeating itself and it has such a negative connotation. And I think 90% of the time when we talk about that fact, it does. This is one of those times when we can see ways in which history can repeat itself in a very positive way. There was also a lot of speculation about the jacket because as you saw, when she actually arrived, she was wearing it and she never once took it off when she was on the red carpet. And so a lot of people were saying it's probably because it didn't fully zip up and so she had to wear it. I know that before Marilyn actually saying happy birthday, she was wearing a jacket. I don't believe it's the same jacket, but there was kind of a 
a, a little bit of confusion about whether or not she was wearing it because she wanted to or because it didn't fully zip. And the reason I'm confused is because in that Ripley's video that we referenced in the beginning, which like, if you're still listening to this and you didn't watch it, guys, I, I'm telling you, you're going to fucking lose it. Watch immediately. Again, links will be in the description. She is wearing it in the fitting. The whole thing, I would not have changed one thing if my life depended on it. By the way, keep in mind, while we're on the logistical conversation, because the dress couldn't be altered and Kim's 5'2 and Marilyn was like 5'6, she was wearing those massive platform shoes where you could see, I mean, she really could barely walk. Like, I know a lot of people were upset, which we'll get into in a second, that Pete was there at all because it was so her moment. But like, if it wasn't Pete, it was going to be someone else because she needed full-time help to walk up those stairs. I actually had this moment of loving Pete being there separate and apart from my fascination with their relationship because it just felt so full circle. It was like Kim had her first Met Gala. She came as Kanye's plus one. And to have her now be in this position of like, this was her night and she has her plus one. And not that Pete would have been there anyway. He was there last year. We know that. There was just something about like Pete almost being the Kim in the situation. And it just felt like this culmination and and this full circle moment that was, I don't know, it felt like, it felt perfect to me. Julie, it felt perfect to me too. I mean, listen, it's not like she didn't get any solo photos on that red carpet. It's not like if they break up, she won't have one photo of herself from that night. The woman has an entire Vogue spread. I mean, she was the moment with or without him. For me personally, it contributed to my viewing experience in a major way. And when we, but so just like, so you can understand where I was at, at the time I was walking over to my friend's apartment. So on the walk, I didn't have like the live stream. Obviously I had Instagram, but I was waiting for her. And so the second I get to my friend's apartment and some of her friends were watching the live stream and all of a sudden Kim and Pete walk out. And it's like the air leaves the room. We don't say probably a word for all of the minutes while they're walking up the stairs, while he's helping her, the forehead kiss. I mean, every moment that we can analyze. And when they got to the top, I turned to these girls and I was like, I just want you guys to know we are bonded for life right now because we witnessed that moment together. And like, no one even thought that it was dramatic because everyone felt the same way. And I know, I'm sure there's some people listening be like, get a fucking grip. I get it. I understand in the scheme of life. But you know something? In my own little pop culture world, that's how it felt. It felt like this was history witnessing. The reason to go back to the Pete thing for a second, that it fits so perfectly for me is like, that was Kim's celebrity in a nutshell. She did the most iconic thing of the night. She wore the most iconic thing you could wear. It was her moment. And still, the celebrity of it all was so present. Her relationship was so present. And like, the fact that you are so interested in her as a figure, but then still her as a celebrity at the exact same time in equal amounts, it was the perfect balance for me. It's such a good point about when you're evaluating this moment, looking at it as both, holy shit, this is a historic fashion moment. And then also, oh my God, Kim Kardashian is walking the red carpet with Pete Davidson. It was like they blended together, but they actually did operate separately. And you're so right. I think that's such a good way to phrase it. And the thing that I was really aware of, and a lot of people made this point, and I really did feel this way, is that even though objectively, it's a very serious moment for her. I mean, she's wearing, like I said, a $5 million artifact she seemed to just be really lighthearted about the whole thing. And there was an ease about her that you never fully felt with Kanye. It was almost like, yes, the whole thing was very intense, but there was almost a lack of intensity. And I think that that is a 
part of her that is really brought out by Pete because he's never taking it too seriously. He's laughing about the whole situation. He can't believe that he has a spray tan and he's somehow in the mix of all this. I mean, in that video when they're at Ripley's, in the middle of her doing this fitting, he is still making jokes. And I just think that presence really helps to kind of ground her. Yeah, there was just an ease about her. And I was trying to figure out like, does this come from this relationship with Pete and how infectious just the happiness is and how funny he is and the way that that plays into her own levity? Does the ease that she had come from the fact that like there there wasn't an insecurity for her to be wearing this dress? I feel like a lot of the times we've seen Kim do stuff in the past, and this is something she talks about often in terms of like having to constantly worry about what everyone else is thinking and how she really wants to just not do that anymore. And so my, my initial thought was like, this ease really comes from a place of like, I know I should be in this dress and I'm going to own this moment. And I am not going to spend this entire red carpet wondering what other people's reactions to this historic moment is going to be. Like I was trying to figure out where the ease fully came into play. And I think it is really a combination of those two things but I agree. There was just something about Pete being there that made such an iconic moment so light. And I think that just added to the whole thing. I don't know. Like I was just trying to analyze, I feel like every single piece of this and every aspect of it and how I felt and their interactions and their movement and Kim on her own and Pete on her own. And like, I just feel like at the end of the day, nothing would have been complete without each one of those things all existing at the same time. Yes, there were a lot of different factors and they all played into one another beautifully. But I think that the first point is the most true. Like, even though I just gave Pete a lot of credit, hands down, the number one thing that contributed to that ease is the confidence. I mean, you know how confident you have to be to feel worthy of wearing Marilyn Monroe's happy birthday JFK dress? Like, I know a lot of people, specifically those that really dislike her, probably view it as a wild level of narcissism. And if that's how you view it, that's totally fine. To me, it's like for whoever is in charge of that to deem you worthy and then to believe that you are worthy and to be able to show up in that way, it's just, it's, it's wow. I mean, wow. This is the same woman that we watched on season one of Keeping Up with the Kardashians. I mean, it's really, this really just felt like a major moment of evolution. And I think that is such an important point, not just for Kim, but for literally everybody, is that you can do something and feel that confidence and feel so worthy of it while still acknowledging the fact that it's crazy at the same time. Like Kim knew that this was her moment. Kim fully acknowledged the fact that this is where she was meant to be. At the same time, never once did it she put forth this air of like, arrogance about it. Or like, see, I told you guys, like, this is who I am. It was like, I am humbled by this, but also confident enough to know that this is where I belong. Right. And I think that those two things can exist at the same time, which oftentimes, not to get into this conversation, we don't have to. I I really think that that is a concept that a lot of times is something people try to deprive women of. Like, you're not allowed to feel that sense of confidence without it coming across as arrogant. And I think that you can, you know? Like, there's nothing wrong with that. I just, fuck, I loved this. Fuck, I loved this. I could do with the entire episode just talking about that. Also, if that picked up, it was me literally hitting down on the chair because I just had a full-blown fist. <laughs> like, I, oh my God, Julie, I can't believe this happened. I'm still reeling from it. 
I am too. I mean, I'm still reeling from that forehead kiss from Pete. I mean, oh my God. And that one moment, that one moment that I cannot stop watching is when they're doing the interview with Lala and Pete makes a joke and kind of starts to walk away and Kim like motions for him to come back over. And it was so playful and it gave you such a great insight to their relationship. And I feel like something that we've seen now that we're seeing like the insights just in that video and the Ripley's video, like the insight into their relationship is Kim fully acknowledging Pete for who he is and like how funny he is and what his personality is. But also I feel like at least trying to instill this level of confidence in him. And again, not to get back to the point of the history repeating itself thing, but like in a very different way, I feel like Kim is almost doing to Pete what Kanye had done for her many years ago, just in terms of that instilling of confidence. Yes, of course, in a very different way. I mean, actually, Evan Ross Katz posted that one clip and he wrote like, she beckons, he comes. And it's so true. She was like very playfully saying, no, I want you standing next to me. And I think it came from the fact that he knew this was her moment and he wanted her to have it. But like, she's being interviewed by Lala, who's her best friend. They've been talking in a group chat the entire week. Lala knew all about this. And then for Lala to be like, Pete, you look hot. And Kim's like, doesn't he look handsome? Like, this is just, I mean, it's everything, everything I could have ever wanted ever. And it's exactly what I thought it would be. You know, I always, obviously all I wanted was the confirmation of what they were actually like together. But just from knowing their personalities, like I almost felt like, oh my God, I've seen this a million times with the two of them, but I hadn't. It was the first time I'd ever seen them truly interact in that way. It was just, their personalities are so clear and so known in a way where like, I felt like I'd watched them do that a hundred times before. I know, (laughs) which is both sick and also validating, right? It's like, you feel like you it's not that you know feel like you know Pete so well. It's that you feel you know Kim so well and you know Pete enough to be able to put together what you think it would be. And that that's really what it is. And then to watch it be exactly what we kind of all thought, it's just, it's wild. For the record, I do know Pete that well. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this is all coming off of, which we should definitely wait for the Kardashian recap, but the photos of his apparent tattoo of the initials, which if it exists was covered up last night, you know, the White House Correspondence Center, like this wasn't the first time we were seeing them. I mean, we had seen the Hulu premiere and then like, talk about catching your breath. We were still on the fucking floor from the White House Correspondence Center, which by the way, if she wore that Balenciaga look to the Met Gala, I would have said it was the best dressed one there. And that wasn't even the Met Gala look. So it was just a lot for a few days, you know, for, for two girls to handle. Apartments.com believes the dishwasher does more than just clean plates. It turns your whole place into a time machine by turning the time you would have spent washing dishes into extra time for you. That could mean more time to read, more time to knit, or more time to contemplate the vastness of time itself. With Apartments.com, finding somewhere to live with an elusive dishwashing slash time-expanding device is easy. And listen, we all have our non-negotiables in terms of what we really want when looking for an apartment. I know for me, natural light has always been really important. I just know myself and I am a happier person when I have that natural light throughout the day. And I also told myself that in my next place, I will definitely have a washer and dryer because you just can't beat that convenience. And I know it can be hard to find, but when you find it, I think it is so worth it. Apartments.com hosts the most rental listings with over 1 million available units. And with comprehensive search tools and instant alerts, you never have to worry about missing out on the perfect place. 
To find whatever you're searching for and more, visit apartments.com, the place to find a place. Doing your hair has the potential to be such a time-consuming process if you're not using products that really work for you and honestly really work with you. And for me, I'd say generally speaking, my hair is pretty easy to manage, but it does get frizzy. I have a lot of split ends, so I'm always looking for things to manage the frizz. And recently I've been into a new product from Way. It's their anti-frizz cream. So it's a really lightweight cream. It provides immediate frizz control that lasts up to 72 hours and also heat protection up to 450 degrees. You're kind of killing two birds with one stone. And the thing I really like about it is that it helps reduce and repair split ends while quenching dry hair with intense hydration. So you can feel like it just feels good on your hair. For me, I get out of the shower. I always spray in the leave-in conditioner. I've told you guys about that before, but I love it. A little anti-frizz cream and you're good to go. I also, I mean, I love a lot of things from Way, but I like their detox shampoo. I don't use that every week, maybe once a week, maybe once every other week, but I feel like it gives my hair a really, really good clean. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter promo code CELEBS for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, promo code CELEBS. Okay, Kim and Pete aside, moving on to the Met Gala more generally. So the theme was Gilded Glamour, and the exhibit was In America, an Anthology of Fashion, which was part two to the In America, a Lexicon of Fashion. And the dress code was inspired by the Gilded Age. Let me first say, though, before getting into any sort of commentary on the outfits, I recognize that the point of the Met Gala is to show up on theme. And a lot of the times when people were giving their commentary or judging the outfits, it was really by how well the person adhered to the theme. Totally a fair criteria to judge by. I just want to go on record and say, I don't feel qualified to do that. Like, what the fuck do I know about whether or not what you're wearing is perfectly Gilded Age? So let me make the very important caveat that when I'm saying what I liked, it's not because I'm saying it's the most on theme. I just thought the person looked great. I know it's not fair. It's like technically not the correct way to judge. I mean, I just want to make my stance very clear. It is funny, though, this year with that, because I completely agree. And I think every year at the Met Gala, it's always the criticism of like, okay, but this isn't the theme. This year happened to be, I think, one of the easier themes to dress for just because the Gilded Age is a set period of time. Like all you had to do was just like fit your outfit into that time period. Again, like there's a lot of liberties that people can take. But when you have people that like specifically did not fit into that time, I do understand people having a little bit more room to criticize those looks. I personally won't be. I can give you the 100% guarantee that any themed event I have ever been to in my life or will ever go into my life, I will take that theme as a very loose suggestion and then wear whatever I think I look best in anyway. So anybody who wasn't perfectly on theme, fine by me, but I do understand the liberties taken in judging that specifically this year. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm just, (laughs) I'm just entirely unqualified. Like I'm the type of person where let's say you invite me to a euphoria themed party. I'm going to love seeing everyone else's. I'm going to put a few rhinestones on my eyes and call it a day, you know? So like, just let's keep ourselves honest here, but okay. Starting us off strong with Blake Lively and custom Versace. Fuck me all the way up. She killed it. I mean, the Mech Alley year after year is Blake's playground. And she is one of those people that when she's not at the Mech Alley, it is a noticeable absence. Right up there with Rihanna, right up there with Zendaya. Like her absence, whenever she's not there, is noticeable because she represents so much about the Met Gala and she does it so well year after year. And so for her to be one of the co-chairs this year and just bring this, she killed it. 
killed it. And to see Ryan's face when they undo her bow and it's this transformative gown and he's just like, holy shit, I can't believe I'm married to you, tens across the board. Next up for me, Simone Ashley in Moschino, her first ever Met Gala. This look, I thought it was incredible from top to bottom. For me, Kaya Gerber and Alexander McQueen, absolutely breathtaking. And on top of that, making a red carpet debut with Austin Butler. I never really got the appeal of him until last night. It really hit me last night. I was like, wow, you are a movie star. Oh, yeah. I I mean, but I was thinking also, and I'm sure so many people had this thought of this being his red carpet debut with Kaya Gerber and Vanessa Hudgens also being there. I mean, this wasn't just a breakup between Vanessa Hudgens and Austin Butler. They dated for 11 years. So I think we were all kind of curious to see if there was any sort of interaction between them because she was doing red carpet coverage. Well, there was a lot of that. I mean, even think about with Pete, Phoebe Denever and Kaya were there. Then you take Kaya. I mean, she's kind of the center of it all. Jacob Elordi was there. There was a lot of exes. I have to imagine everything was entirely cordial, but Yes. I mean, would I die for that dynamic completely? Also, I kind of want to go popcorn style, but I need to say too, the first is Cardi and Versace walking with Donatella. Just unbelievable. And then I don't know if this is a hot take or not, but I thought that Gwen Stefani and that neon Vera Wang was stunning. I don't think that's a hot take. Whenever I see Gwen Stefani, I'm like, we need to appreciate you more. Why are we not constantly talking about you? I think because she went down a a rank in like the public quote opinion because people found the display with Blake Shelton to be annoying. Like I'm not saying that that's like legitimate, but I feel like that is the reason, honestly. I feel like she got knocked down a peg in terms of the public's adoration because people were like weird. I don't know how to say weirded out, but people weren't fully on board with their relationship. I don't know if that's for real or not. That's kind of just like what I've sensed from seeing online discussion. I do get that. I will be leading a charge to get Gwen Stefani back into not just relevancy, like adoration. I mean, I'm there, obviously. Wait, another thing. Jody Turner-Smith in Gucci. Breathtaking, but also one of my biggest takeaways of the night because God does her husband adore her. But anytime you see them interviewed or any sort of interaction, he's like in a constant state of awe that he's married to her. And I get it because (laughs) I am too, and I'm not even married to her. I don't even know her. I mean, when they were doing their interview with Lala at the top of the carpet and he says to her, oh my God, like something along the lines of like, you killed your first Met Gala. You killed it. And Lala was like, this is your first. And he says like, oh my God, doesn't she look beautiful? I was like, I can't handle this. This is too much for me. This is one of the best moments of the whole night. I know. Also, Lily James in Versace and Shawn Mendes and Tommy Hilfiger. I loved both. You know how I feel about both of those people. I have to say, honestly, I thought Kendall in that Prada was unbelievable. It doesn't beat her Givenchy from last year because that just feels unbeatable, but I thought it was exceptional. I personally Maybe I'm not elevated enough to understand the bleached brows. It's not my thing. I would have so preferred it not, but I understand that it's a look and it's part of the look. I just don't really get that look, but I did think the outfit was gorgeous. I was going to say, personally, Kendall was my best dressed of the night, besides Kim, but for very different reasons. Okay, so here's how I feel about that. Kardashian family aside, like if nobody was related here, I still think Kendall would be absolutely in my top three. 
That being said, especially when you compare her to what Courtney and Kylie was wearing, it's, I mean, she fucking just skyrockets, you know, because there, there was some disaster happening on, on, uh, <laughs> on that side of the carpet. <laughs> I mean, let's get into it, shall we? Yeah. I mean, listen, just to backtrack for a second, we find out a little bit before the Met that this is the first time all the sisters are going to be in attendance, which is so exciting. It's a very big deal specifically for Chloe and Courtney. And then we see Chloe and Kylie walk out of the hotel. And I think we're just all kind of confused by what is happening with Kylie. And she's still on the carpet and still we're in this pretty deep state of confusion. Then you find out, obviously, this was an off-white number that she was wearing. And she was supposed to attend the Met Gala with Virgil. As we all know, he tragically passed away November of last year. And the dress that she was wearing took inspiration from the final couture gown that he designed, which was featured in Off-White's fall-winter 2022 runway show during Paris Fashion Week. So once I found that out, I understood it more, but it changed nothing. Like, I think both things can be true. It's really special that she's honoring Virgil in that way. Absolutely. If you saw in her gloves, it said game forever, which is the text that he sent her when he said, I actually am not going with anyone yet. If you ever want to link up, I'm game forever. I get it. I think that's so beautiful. That exists separately. And then point two is like, I still absolutely hated it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think it was such an honor for Kylie to be chosen to do this. And I don't want to downplay that because I also think that even had Kylie and Virgil gotten the opportunity to walk together, it still would have been an honor for Kylie. I think that doing this following his such an unfortunate death was such an honor. And I think that she paid homage to him in a way that I think he would have been very, very happy with. And I think that that was really beautiful. The dress just wasn't it. And it specifically wasn't it for her. I could have seen somebody else wearing that and maybe pulling it off a little bit differently. Like, I almost feel like maybe Bella Hadid could have worn it a little bit differently. It just didn't match with Kylie's personality. And so it just seemed very off for her to be in it. And I also think that had the hat been a little bit differently, because the hat that was worn at the final show, the final piece was, I think, more of like a top hat look than a baseball hat look. That could have maybe changed things for me. But I mean, altogether, I, I was I was a little disappointed. But I will say with Kylie, I think that she's earned enough Met Gala clout to be able to have a miss every so often, especially when the miss was was done in good faith. Totally. And like we both said, it is an absolute honor. I know that she probably felt his presence when she was on that carpet. And I think the whole thing is beautiful in theory. It's just the execution personally for me, I thought was, um, was quite horrendous, if I'm going to be completely honest with you. But, but only to be topped by Courtney, who I, you know, I was so excited that she was going because I really felt like her and Travis had such a mark on pop culture in this last year or so. It really made sense. And I mean, I, I, I actually would go as far as to say this maybe was worse than, than Kylie. Do you think that's wrong? No, I don't think that's wrong. And the thing with Courtney that was interesting was like her entire attitude was fascinating to me because I mean, look at Chloe, like Chloe was there and was like, I can't believe it. The stairs are shorter than I thought they would be. Like, I can't believe this is my first year here. Like, she was playful with the fact that she had never been before, but you could tell it was a very big deal for her to finally be there. And the thing with Courtney and Travis is you're 100% right. Like, they made such a mark on pop culture this year. So them being at the Met Gala was more than fitting, more than deserving. 100,000% they should have been there. 
I feel like Courtney could have embraced that fact a little more. Well, it was really funny because when they were doing the interview with Lala and Lala asked her, you know, how she interpreted the theme or what the theme meant her. And she was like, I don't know. I didn't really think about it. I, I, I swear to God, I thought this before, like I saw it on TikTok. It did look like Travis was a little bit pissed by that answer because I think he felt like, oh shit, you can't say this. Like Anna's going to see this. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't know if he was pissed or it was just like, I don't know. I mean, and also like I know that Courtney was probably just being funny in the moment. And I I obviously will never shoot down Courtney's playful side coming out because I do love to see it. I was just a little surprised by that being her answer. I just find that like something for myself personally that I've noticed as I've gotten older is that I have very little patience for people who act too cool for certain things. And I felt like the comment came off a little bit like, oh, I'm too cool to be here. No one's too cool to be there. It's the Met Gala. Right, which I'm sure is so not what she meant. But yes, I I, I understand what she mean. But you know, that's the thing about Courtney. Like she just says what she's feeling. And that's if you're going to celebrate her for that, you can't also knock her for that. Um, no, that's wait, true. The Chloe... Was it my favorite look of all time? No. Did I think that she looked beautiful and was so happy to be there? Yes. You know, and I couldn't even tell you exactly what I would have wanted to see her in differently because I thought she looked great. It wasn't one of my tops of the night. No, absolutely not. But also, I was just so happy to see her on that carpet that I guess I wasn't really thinking about it. I was so happy for the collective happiness that everybody else felt for her being there. Like all of Twitter talking about Chloe having her moment made me so happy. And I just like, I know she saw it because I saw her liking certain tweets. And so for her to have that knowledge that all of Twitter was like excited for her first Met Gala, that did it for me. The other thing that I was thinking is I guess at this point, you know, Kylie is less nervous going to these things. But when we saw last year, for example, when she's with Kendall and they're deciding right before what they're going to go to me, like Kylie's safest place is with Chloe. So how amazing for Kylie that she had Chloe there, especially because Kylie hasn't made many, you know, big outings since giving birth. And so just in general to do one of these things, I think is a big deal for her. And so to have Chloe there was probably very comforting for her. Totally. Can I tell you a piece of the night that I was missing? Yeah, of course. Rihanna. Yeah. I mean, Rihanna's absence for me was felt in a way that cannot be described. But I did take a lot of comfort in seeing her post from this morning about how there was like the marble statue of her at the exhibit, like pregnant Rihanna in marble. Just, I mean, it's not, it's not the real thing, but it gave me something. Zendaya's absence. I really missed people like Michael B. Jordan. Like I would have loved to see him with Lori Harvey. For me, I'll say it. One of the biggest absences of the night, and I know it's because he was on tour, was not seeing Justin with Haley. I know. I would have loved that. I mean, she killed it solo, but it, it's just such a moment when they're together. Also, did you? she said that, though, when she was in one of her interviews. They were saying, like, what are you the most excited for? And she's like, honestly, I'm excited to just hang out with my friends and have a girls night. She's like, you know, because I'm solo tonight. It's a totally different energy for her, I'm sure, going solo versus with him because it's a, it's a completely different presentation to the world. Oh, totally. And also, it's funny because that's like her friend group. You know what I mean? Like her friend group owns the Met Gala. It's like right. her, Bella Hadid, Gigi, Kendall, Kylie, Kim, like all of them are just a little crew. So it is so fun to watch. It's like the comparison that we always make to high school and this is prom. 
Oh, absolutely. Also, the Jack Harlow, Emma Chamberlain interview moment. You saw that, right? Thank you for bringing that up. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I want to talk about that immediately. Okay, so we'll put the link in the description for anyone that didn't see, although I'm sure most of you did. Obviously, Emma Chamberlain was doing red carpet interviews for Vogue. She was in that beautiful Louis Vuitton outfit. Jack Harlow was in this brown Givenchy suit, which I thought was beautiful. And they just had a very playful back and forth. He was being very flirtatious at the end when he's walking away. He says, love you, which she says it back. And then she looks at the camera like, what the fuck just happened? But I think what was fun about it was that we were watching him put the like quote moves that you see all over TikTok on Emma, but she was like reciprocating it. Like it was just very fun to watch. I mean, she does have a boyfriend though. Fully, she has a boyfriend. Oh, of course. I'm just, it was just so playful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. It wasn't, I'm not saying it was like inappropriate in the slightest. It was just like pure entertainment. It was like two people, I, I want to say like uh, at very similar calibers in terms of fame mm-hmm. and very similar calibers in their field, just having a really great night together and acknowledging like how crazy it is for them both to be there. I, I just loved it. I, he's so natural. I've never seen anybody so just naturally flirtatious in that way. I know some people view it as like fuckboy behavior, which I, I understand. But to me, I like it because I just think it's like a sense of confidence and, and swag. Oh, completely. I mean, I love it, especially on him. Timmy, that was somebody really, really missing for me this year. I'll tell you my biggest miss of the night in terms of the person I wished was there. Who? You want to guess? Zendaya? No. It should be Zendaya, but who's yours? Kiki Palmer. Oh my God. Where was Kiki? Where was Kiki? Because let me tell you something. I like Vanessa Hutchins just as much as the next guy. There is no comparison in terms of red carpet interviews. Kiki was a huge absence. I really missed her. And I was hoping that because she wasn't doing the Vogue interviews, that that meant that she would be walking the carpet. And I guess she didn't, which sucks for me and her and you and everybody. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's not that I didn't want to see her walking the carpet. Of course, I would have loved that. I just think she really thrives when she's the one doing the interview because she brings out such a comfortable and like playful side in people. Do you think that we as spectators of the Met Gala will ever be able to appreciate another one because we'll always just compare it to Heavenly Bodies in 2018? I mean, no, I think that we will. But, but <laughs> that answer is so like dependent on the way you think. If you ask me any question like that, I'm probably going to say, yes, I think that there's a potential. Like that's just, the, you know what I mean? Like the only thing that I can compare it to is like asking you the question of like, will we ever have another summer 2016 again? I don't know if we will. And I don't know if I we'll know. ever have a 2018 Heavenly Bodies again. It won't be the same, but I think the excitement can be recreated. Although I guess... Honestly, the reason that I would maybe say not is because I think as the years go on, we are all significantly more aware of just like the absurdity of this evening and like the juxtaposition of how how this event lies like in the context of all of our regular lives. And so I think that the more frustrated people get by that, the less appreciative we are of the evening. So maybe not. Uh, Yeah, I mean, now we're comparing two different things because if we're talking about 2018 Heavenly Bodies, the way that we talk about that Met Gala and think about it, it's like it was so epic and everybody, everybody brought it that night. I mean, like we look back at those photos and we're like, this was, everything was on theme. Everything was perfect. Everyone brought their A game. Everybody was in attendance. Like that will forever be like glorified in our minds. 
what you're talking about also has a similar thing that's not exactly directly compared to that Met Gala, just like Met Galas in general. And I do believe that that was never more on display than it was last night. Yeah. I mean, to acknowledge what you're saying here, which obviously I know we are not getting into a full discussion about this here, but I think we would be remiss to not mention it. As you all are aware, as the Met Gala is going on, a draft opinion leaks that the Supreme Court has decided to overturn Roe v. Wade, which... I mean, the juxtaposition of here we all are fawning over these celebrities, fawning over, you know, Kim in this Marilyn Monroe dress. Meanwhile, our fucking rights to abortion, the rights over our bodies are being taken away. It's like so fucked up. And I I do not want to get into that full discussion right now. It's not the place. It's just it's so deeply upsetting uh, in a way that I, I can't quite express. Yeah. It really is. And and it's hard to kind of figure out how to switch between these two topics because I don't, I wouldn't want to have this podcast and like continue on without acknowledging that very real element of the night and just what what this means in general. And I know that, again, like you said, we're not going to get into the whole thing now, but I think that a lot of people probably felt like, and if even if you've been listening to this podcast up until this point, like to not acknowledge just how scared people are right now and how scared we are right now and and what this means, like would just it would be wrong and inappropriate. And it's and that's just not how we feel. We would never want to like ignore that just major element of what happened last night in terms of for the sake of just being able to talk about the Met Gala. No, I mean, it's fucking terrifying. And listen, realistically, I understand to have that conversation in the middle of a podcast that's supposed to be about lighthearted pop culture. It's just ridiculous because it almost removes the severity of the actual issue. I, I recognize we're not like the people to to discuss this or that people would come to. But I think that we as women absolutely, you know, it is not only a responsibility, it's something that I desire to say of like, leave us the fuck alone. You know, it, it's so, what you said about being scared is very, real. And, you know, for anyone listening that had that same sense of fear that I think we felt when you see that headline come across and you're just like, wait a second, we are living in 2022. What the fuck is going on? That feeling is very real. We felt it. We acknowledge it. And not for one second is that not something that's on our minds today. Yeah, absolutely. Have you ever noticed how celebrities have brighter, whiter looking eyes? Their makeup artists have a little secret in their kit, Lumify Redness Reliever Eye Drops. Lumify dramatically reduces redness in just one minute. It literally happens right before your eyes to help them look brighter, whiter, and more awake for up to eight hours. No wonder it's so loved by influencers, celebrities, and makeup artists, and has over 6,000 five-star reviews on Amazon. Lumify is also the number one eye doctor recommended redness reliever eye drop, and it's FDA approved. No bleach, no dyes, plus it's made by the eye care experts at Bausch & Lomb. So whether you're on set, on a date, or running on just a few hours of sleep, you can have eyes that look brighter and whiter with Lumify Eye Drops. When you try it, you'll see that it's what your eyes have been looking for. Check out lumifyeyes.com to learn more. So I know we're all kind of operating at a different skill level when it comes to makeup. Like I have some friends who they do their makeup and it looks like they got it professionally done. I have others who know nothing about any products. And then I would say I'm somewhere in the middle, like by no means am I very skilled, but I think I can hold my own. And in terms of my everyday, I'm just doing mascara, lip gloss, and maybe a little bit of highlighter on my inner corner. 
So if I'm only using a few products, I need them to be excellent. And I've recently been very into the Thrive Cosmetics mascara, which I'll tell you about in a second, but just in general, a note on the company. For every product purchase, Thrive Cosmetics donates products and funds to help communities thrive, which I just love knowing that I'm buying from a company that does that. And in terms of their mascara, so it's the Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara. You guys have seen that. It's the viral turquoise tube. I've saw it all over social media before I ever started using it. And it's a unique formula that creates tubes around each eyelash to lengthen them. It's also super easy to remove. So it slides right off with warm water. It doesn't leave smudges. And the ingredients are really nourishing. So they support longer, stronger, and healthier looking lashes over time. It really just gets the job done. Like you will see what I mean when you try it. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash CBC. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash CBC for 10% off your first order. Okay, so this next thing we want to talk about, this is the Olivia Wilde, Jason Sudeikis custody papers thing. I want to say two things before we start. First of all, I wouldn't say we still have all of the details. It's kind of still a developing story in terms of exactly how this happened. And second of all, when this initially came out, all we got were photos and then the report. Recently, the actual video of Olivia on stage receiving that envelope was released. So we're going to put the link in the description because I feel like you have to see the video to see kind of just the strange nature of the whole thing. But basically, Olivia Wilde is on stage at CinemaCon at Caesars Palace on Tuesday. She's in the middle of a speech. And someone from the first row hands her a manila envelope. And you see, she doesn't know what this is. I mean, she thinks it's maybe part of the speech, part of the bit. And you see her open the envelope only to then say, oh, okay, I know what this is. Put it down and continue her speech. Turns out these were custody papers that she was served with by the process service company. So after this happens, a source tells Page Six, quote, papers were drawn up to establish jurisdiction relating to the children of Miss Wilde and Mr. Sudeikis. Mr. Sudeikis had no prior knowledge of the time or place that the envelope would have been delivered, as this would solely be up to the process service company involved, and he would never condone her being served in such an inappropriate manner. So, I mean, obviously, the first thing is everyone saying is, what the fuck? Did Jason know that this was going to happen? And, and if he did, it would it would feel very off-brand to what we know about Jason Sudeikis because this is not only humiliating, it's also highly disrespectful. She's in her place of work. And yes, of course, these types of papers need to be served physically to the person, but in this way, it almost just feels cruel. So that report comes out. His team vehemently denies that he had any awareness of the fact that that was going to happen. But then it also kind of sparked security concerns because for people to get into CinemaCon that are non-industry attendees, they need to purchase a badge. And so, you know, people were saying they were unaware how these people got into the building. It was kind of just an absolute disaster. And I think everyone was fully shocked and perplexed how this took place. This was one of like the crazier things that I've seen reported in news. Like, And to watch the video, I was like, she literally is in the middle of a sentence on stage presenting for Don't Worry Darling, and she opens this envelope and handles it like a goddamn professional. Like, watching that video with the knowledge of what she was being handled, I was blown away by how she did that. But I can't even, and most people can't either, believe that that happened in the first place. No, it's really shocking to me. I guess because I know that, you know— when they had first broken up, that everything initially was 
supposed to be kind of perceived as amicable. And then stuff came on that maybe this timeline wasn't adding up. So I get it. You know, maybe there was actually more bad blood there, or not even bad blood, but hard feelings there than the public was initially meant to feel. That being said, no matter what, this just feels like not something that would ever be done on behalf of Jason Sudeikis. And I, I really do believe that it's not something that he was aware of was happening because it, it just makes him look terrible. No, and he's not that guy. I mean, I don't know him well. I really obviously don't know him at all, actually. But based on everything that I've ever heard about him and the way that everybody in his life speaks about him, he's just not that person. It was clearly up to the discretion of the delivery service of the courts to handle it in such a way. Incredibly disgusting and inappropriate. I almost felt like I was watching a movie. Like, I feel like we've seen that in TV shows so many times, like somebody in a really inappropriate setting and it's like, Mr. Smith, and they hand them the envelope and it's like, oh, I know what these are. It's my divorce papers. Like, I feel like we've seen that as like a trope on TV shows. So to watch that happen in real life with such a highly publicized couple, I mean, I, again, can't believe it. No, I can't believe it. And then you think of the aftermath, like Olivia's going home and telling Harry what just happened. You know, like, that's crazy to think about. Like, the Olivia Wilde, Harry Styles debrief about how she was just served custody papers by Jason Sudeikis on stage presenting about the movie that Harry Styles is going down on Florence Pugh in. Like, holy fuck, there's a lot happening there. That trailer dropping was, I, I, I'll i never forget where I was when I watched the Don't Worry Darling trailer for the first time. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that, it, it, it did something to me. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I mean, I was in public. Like, let's just be honest here, just between us folks. <laughs> like, haven't we all thought about Harry Styles going down on us at one point or another? And then to like, yeah, watch one him point do or it? another today. Right. That's what I'm saying. So, then like, to watch him do it, obviously not actually, but it really gives you a visual to potentially aid in your fantasies. <laughs> I'm so fascinated by the dynamic and by the way, this is only as like a spectator, not what's actually happening because Olivia Wilde is just a professional and does her job so well and obviously knows the territory that comes with the job. But I'm so constantly intrigued by the promotion for her own movie having to be her showing her boyfriend in bed with somebody else. Right. And I really do believe that in Hollywood in this way. Like, it's not even something that she's thinking of. She is viewing it as her role as the director, and those two things are completely separated. I think that it's just hard for, you know, one as a normal person to not think of that. There also, everything about both the Olivia Wilde and Jason Sudeikis' divorce, the Olivia Wilde promoting this movie with Harry Styles in it being with somebody else in the movie, every aspect of it is amplified by the way that Harry's stands are. Because boy, do they pick up on everything and boy, are they going to talk about every single little detail. So you'll have these moments where you're watching something unfold and you maybe don't think too much of it or you have this one little thought that crosses your mind and you go on Twitter and for lack of a better word, it's a fucking bloodbath on there. I know. I mean, people think about shit that I would never in my wildest dreams ever come up with. I am fascinated by the Harry stands. I am. I'm fascinated by the way their mind works, by the way they think. It's it's really interesting to me. It is interesting. I like just being a, a spectator. But yeah, that trailer 
did something to me. Obviously, we'll put the link in the description. A lot of links for a description today. A lot, lot of links. A <laughs> lot of links. A lot of links. Also, just an update on the Black China trial that was really unfolding last week. And I know we didn't have an episode uh, last Monday or Tuesday, but comes out yesterday, minutes before the Kardashians are about to walk the red carpet. This is directly from AP. The Los Angeles jury found that none of the members defamed China, nor did any interfere with her contract by convincing the E! Network to cancel her reality show, Robin China. After about 10 hours of deliberations, the jurors decided on the long jury form that the Kardashians often acted in bad faith, finding that they were not justified in telling the executives and producers of Rob and China that China abused their son and brother Rob Kardashian, but they found that it had no substantial effect on China's contract or the fate of the show, and, she's, and she was awarded no damages. Which, keep in mind, Black China had sued Kim, Chloe, Chris, and Kylie for more than $100 million in lost wages, future earnings, and emotional damages for what she said was conspiring to have the second season of Rob and China cut from E. And their argument was that, you know, no, they, they didn't want a second season, but it wasn't their decision. It was E's decision. And also, China and Rob had broken up and they had gone into some very intense arguments and all of this was in court, but it was like a pretty intensive few days. But anyway, the verdict is that they do not owe her any damages. I think we all had a feeling that was going to be the outcome. I mean, to be honest with you, the part of it that I found the most interesting in all of it was some of the emails that were read aloud that the family had sent to E. Specifically, there was one from Kylie. I don't have it in front of us. I know we weren't planning on really getting into this, but where Kylie basically said, you know how much I dislike filming on Keeping Up, but I'm willing to film more if that means, you know, if that helps the argument of basically not having the second season of Robin China, even though the second season was going to happen anyway, because they had been broken up after some of those explosive fights. But like, just to see the actual communication between the family and the executives was something I never thought we'd get. Yeah, that that insight was crazy knowledge. I so agree. And even the transcripts of them on the stand was crazy insight to get. Like Kylie talking about Tyga, for example, and things that he told her. Like I bet Kylie was kind of at a point in her life where she was like, oh, I'll never talk about Tyga again. And then it all came back to her. Although I have to say the best part about all this entire thing, which is an odd phrase to use when talking about a lawsuit, is that when they were getting ready to give <laughs> the verdict, <laughs> they were asking about where the family was and their lawyer had to say, well, they're just at some gala in New York. I know because Black China was in court. Also, did you see this morning that her mom started uh, a GoFundMe for the appeal? Very interesting. Yeah. I double-checked to make sure that it was legit. Like, Because I saw that and I was like, there's no way. And then I looked and it, it actually is. Oh, and I'm sure it's real. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, other thing I, I wanted to mention um, – I, we were getting a lot of questions about whether or not we were going to do a breakdown of the Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial, and I totally understand the interest level there. I mean, there's a lot going on. It's just something that we decided we are entirely unqualified to do because I think this is something that has gone way beyond like some pop culture drama, and it's a, a real domestic abuse case. And in order to talk about it intelligently, you have to be so educated on it. And there's so much and it goes back years and years. And honestly, the subject matter is just, it's too heavy for us. It's not in trying to become educated. It's just, um, it's just too much. And I, I, I think this is one where you have to know there are other people that can handle it better. And we can put the link in the description to some podcasts that cover it really well and do really extensive breakdowns and know what they're talking about. And it's just not us. Um, so 
I just want to acknowledge that because I understand the interest. I just also know we're not the best people to do it. In general, though, I, the one comment I will say is like the way the whole thing has been glamorized is just slightly bizarre. It's like the memification of a domestic abuse trial is is very, very confusing to me. Yeah, completely. I actually felt like that was one of the things that made me really feel unsure in talking about it and feel unqualified in talking about it because I I felt like every piece of information that I was getting about this case was through the lens of almost glamorizing it or memeing it. I don't know. I was very confused by the whole thing, but there are definitely very legitimate sources that have spent their time researching this and analyzing every angle and and every fact about this. And this is a case that's been going on for years and years and years far beyond just what you've seen online. And so I think that this is just one to defer to people who know it a lot better than we do. Yeah. And there are a lot of people. So we'll put also those links because I know people were interested and I totally understand the interest level. Is there anything else that you want to mention? There's a lot happening here. Uh, Should we quickly discuss uh, Pete's tattoos? Holy fuck. We didn't even talk about them at the the, uh, correspondence dinner. Well, I know we like kind of uh, briefly went over it, but we didn't get the chance to say the thing about him like protecting her in the elevator. And there's like 90 different things to talk about. And she looks so beautiful. And he was wearing Vans. And like, it's just overwhelming. Yeah, that video, (laughs) another link for the description, (laughs) is when they're walking out and they're obviously being swarmed and he is literally using his full body to protect her. I I mean, I just can't believe the content that we're getting. I really can't. And of course, what Julie's talking about is there was a paparazzi shot where it looked like he had a tattoo almost kind of on his neck of the initials of all of her kids, which I, I don't I don't know. I mean, that would be that's a moment. I just want to be really clear. That's a moment where like as much as I am so into this couple and I'm fascinated, like I get it. It's a lot. Like if that really is the case, if this was a normal couple that wasn't a celebrity that wasn't Kim Kardashian and Pete Davis, and I heard that, I'd be like, all right, let's all take a step back here. So I get it. But like, holy shit. Yeah. It's like, I, I almost am choosing to ignore the tattoo element of it. Like I know I, I was the one that obviously brought it up because we couldn't not talk about it. But in terms of viewing their relationship, I feel like I've come such a long way in terms of how I view them that I can't let uh, how concerned I would be by that tattoo potentially being what it is, um, ruin what I am now viewing their relationship to be. So I have to block that out for a second. I also feel like with P, especially seeing the insight into their relationship a little bit more, I agree that like the tattoo thing would lead one to have that conclusion in terms of the potential love bombing or in terms of maybe repeating past mistakes that were made in relationships. But then when I watch them together and I watch how much fun they have together and how calm and patient and loving he is with her, uh, my concern about those things dissipate. And I'm so focused on the actual relationship that we're seeing before our eyes, which again, you have to understand like, and remember, this is our first time really getting that insight. And it's hard to, you know, reconcile those two things. Like, oh, is it a little concerning? Yes. But am I watching them together? And I feel really, I don't know if safe is the right word, but safe with what I'm seeing? Yes. So like, I don't know, but I I just want to keep letting it play out. That's all I want. Like, I'm just having so much fun watching it play out in the way that it's going to. I am having such a good time. Me too. Like, truly. I had such a shitty week. And like, I, I see those photos last night and it, 
it, it, it's a boost of serotonin. So I guess that that is the part of it that I choose to lean into. I mean, honestly, though, I think that I was more blown away from the White House photos than I was from the Met. Like, And maybe one could just make the argument, yeah, that's because it's what came first. But no, I mean, I think that's one of my favorite looks. If not my favorite look Kim has ever worn, the White House dinner, I think that could be it. And that was an example where I was like, she looks insane and he's just there. Whereas the Met, I felt like they were more of a cohesive pair. But God, that video when he's protecting her, I'm like, oh. He he really like treats her the way that she should be treated from what we're seeing. I know I have to emphasize that point because like we don't actually know, but based on all of the insight and the content that we're getting, I just feel like when I watch them, I'm in awe of how much I'm starting to get it and in awe of like how into it I am. I just feel like he clearly just fucking adores her and wants to protect her and can't believe that this is his life, but not in a way that it is an imbalance. Like, I think that they both do a lot of really great things for each other. I think that he centers her and brings her down to reality a little bit and she lifts him up. Yeah. I, that's my interpretation of it as well. Again, we don't really know, but in terms of what we're seeing, I don't know, you guys, we're going to have to watch how this plays out. Obviously we have a new episode of Kardashians, uh, on Wednesday night, Thursday. So we'll see if there's any mention. Obviously, like I anxiously await these just to see if hypothetically there's going to be one slight mention of his name. Oh, of course. Okay. Well, I think that is all for today, unless there's anything else that you would like to add. No, I think that's it, kid. (laughs) We feel so lucky to be able to do this. Thank you guys for listening and we'll see you for Bravo and then for Kardashians. And remember, these are just our opinions that I'm sure will change soon after recording this. So just (laughs) two girls giving their thoughts and we love you guys. Thank you for letting us do this.